Welcome this morning to our worship service for New Valley Church. We're one church in two locations, so this morning we have some folks from our downtown congregation uh, to help lead, and we're grateful for the opportunity to lead you guys to worship virtually. This is a strange time uh, in the life of our city and of our nation, but we're grateful for the ability to be with you this way in your homes, and I want to invite you to uh, read along this from Psalm 46. This is a beautiful call to worship, a call that focuses our attention on the Lord and on his presence with us in difficult times. Hear these words from Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her, she shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter, he utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us, the God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Like a feather, bind my wand. 
Morning, church. It is so good to be with you again uh, today on this third Sunday of live streaming together. And uh, as I've been thinking about um, what we've been dealing with, uh, really, not just as a city or a nation, but the entire world, it has struck me that for the first time in my in my life, um, the entire world is dealing with the same thing at the same time, and that every single one of us around the world is being touched by this virus and by this situation. And so for the first time, we have really something in common uh, as, as the people of the world. And one of the things that God's word says is this, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. And one of the greatest things we can do as the people of God right now in this moment is to be living our lives as a people of faith on the one hand, and a people of repentance on the other. And so we should be the kind of people that are praying and praying prayers of repentance, not just for our own sin, but really for the sins of our nation and the world, and calling out to our God to be merciful in this moment. And so we're going to be confessing our sins this morning, as we do every Sunday, together, and then hearing a, a word of assurance together as well. Let, let us join together in voice, confessing our sins together. Lord, in your mercy, hear us. We confess that it is easy for us to sacrifice our convictions for convenience, your standards for status, your principles for promotion, your absolutes for our ambition, our souls for shallow and unsatisfying success. How easily we are seduced by power, prestige, pleasure, or possessions. Unfulfilled by anything else, we turn to you again. Forgive us our half-hearted devotion and our double-minded spirit in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's spend just a moment confessing our sins privately to our Lord, and then we will pray together. Father, we confess that this crisis is exposing all the ways in which our hearts cling to other things to be our God. There are so many, so many other places where we have placed our confidence and put our hope, but we repent of that this morning. And we ask that you would empower us to be a people of faith and to hope in you more than anything else. We ask in the good name of Jesus. Amen. And now, friends, hear this amazing good news together. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature 
having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Let's sing together.
Our scripture for today comes from Mark 12, verses 28 through 34. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another, and seeing that he answered them well, asked him, which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, the most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. 
And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said to him, you are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one and there is no other besides him. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the strength and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hey, good morning, church. My name is Gray Ewing. I'm the pastor of New Valley Downtown, and I want to just give a shout out to our Chandler folks this morning and our downtown folks and anybody that's joining us on uh, YouTube or Facebook. We want to welcome you today. Well, God's word has been read for us, and let's turn to him in prayer as we dive in this morning. Let's pray. Father, we don't live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from your mouth. In a time when it's hard to find bread, when it's hard to have the essential things, we come expectant of you this morning, that you would fill us and feed us. We wait and watch for you. More than watchmen wait for the dawn, as your word says. We wait for you. We know that it is you who fills us. You are the vine. We are the branches. Apart from you, we can do nothing. And so we ask, us, ask this morning that you would fill us with Jesus Christ. Fill us with him. Equip us to do your will and your way this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Several years ago, uh, I was putting together some IKEA furniture, and uh, that's always an exercise in frustration. Uh, can I get an amen on that? Uh, maybe a virtual amen this morning. But I was putting together this, this IKEA furniture, and uh, it was not going well. I was, I was putting together a cabinet and uh, putting the pieces together. I'm one of those guys that that turns to the step one immediately. So I skip all of the intro things, anything about listing out the parts or laying them out in a certain order. I skip over that and I go straight to step one. And uh, that's what I did that day. I'm so impatient. I turned and, and found step one, the number one step, and I, I started doing the steps in order. And I got about 75% done with the build and realized that everything was messed up. I mean, this cabinet was looking really crazy. Uh, it had holes in places that it shouldn't have. It, you know, nothing was lining up the right way. And so I was so frustrated, I went back and I looked at the different steps that I had done. So beginning with the most recent one, I went back and said, did I miss something? Did I do this the wrong way? And I went all the way back to step one and realized I hadn't made any mistakes at all. I had, I had followed the steps to a T. And so in my frustration, I turned back the page before page one, and I saw this infuriating note. Important. 
do this first. Now, why in the world the important do this first wasn't step one, I have no idea. But before we got to step one, there was this other step, and it was the orienting step. It was the step that told you to put the first piece in the right way so that it was shaped the right way for the thing to be built properly. So I had to systematically go back and rebuild this whole thing so it would look the right way. And I learned that day that it's possible to follow all the steps and to build the wrong thing. It's possible to go step by step and to build the wrong thing if you ignore the first and most important and most essential and most orienting thing. It is possible to build the wrong thing. And what Jesus tells us this morning is this. It's possible for you to try to spend all of your life going step by step trying to please God. And yet, if you miss the orienting piece, if you miss the first thing, if you miss the point where he says, this is the most important. If you miss that, then your life will be built the wrong way. We meet this scribe this morning who comes to Jesus humbly and he asks Jesus a question. He's a scribe. He's familiar with the law, with the Old Testament. And he asked Jesus, basically, there's 613 commands, the way that the Israelite people understood them. There's 613 of these commands. Which ones do you see are the most important? And it's important to see that Jesus actually answers him. He gives him a direct answer. This is amazing because Jesus is asked, it's approximated about 180 questions in the scriptures. 180 different times people ask him questions, and only about 10 of those does he give a direct answer. And this is one of them. This is where he directs, directly answers him, and he says to him, the most important thing is to love the Lord your God and to love your neighbor as yourself. He sees this scribe who's coming to him humbly with a genuine question, and the context is, Jesus has just been fighting. He's been disputing with the Sadducees, this other group, who've been asking him this, this crazy question about this bro- these brothers who have, there's seven brothers, and they, have, uh, they share one wife, and I won't go into the details of it, but they're disputing over page four, paragraph C, subsection B of the law code, and this man comes humbly and gently to Jesus, and he says, I see that you're fighting with them about this, but I have this other question. What is the most important thing that I can be spending my time on when it comes to the law? And Jesus answers him, this is the most important thing, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. He gives us the direct answer. And friends, has there ever been a more important time or a more significant time for us to look at what is important? As our grocery stores are depleted of all the, quote, important items, we can't find bread, we can't find milk, um, we can't find anything that we need. It's not hard right now to find a Three Musketeers bar or to get a 24-pack of Coke It's the essential things that are gone right now because in this time of crisis, 
We're feeling the world shift beneath us and we're wondering what are the most important things and we're going out and we're getting the most important things. And so now's the perfect time to be wondering when it comes to a life with God, what are the most important things? That's what I want us to see today. The crisis of now is the perfect opportunity to return to the most important things. Really, any time is a good time to return to the most important things. But we feel it right now. We feel it as the world shifts beneath us and the stock market crashes and we're losing our jobs and this world that seemed safe and secure before is now shifting beneath our feet. We wonder, what should I be spending my time on? What's the most important thing? And Jesus tells us from a scriptural standpoint, what is the most important thing? I just want to meditate on that for a few minutes, very simply, going deeper into the words that Jesus says. And to break it down into its component parts, here's what Jesus says. First, you need to see the most important action. The most important action, or verb. What is it that we should be doing? And this is what he tells us in verse 30. You shall love the Lord your God. Verse 31, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The most important action, the most important verb is love. What Jesus does here is so genius. He actually summarizes all of the law and the prophets in one place. As he looks at the 613 commands, he very deftly grabs two of them that are not together in the Old Testament. Nowhere are these together, but he says he grabs those two commands and he puts them together and he says to love God and to love neighbor, this is the most important thing. And everybody's mind around him was blown by this. I know we live in a time when just about every church has as their mission statement, love God, love people. It's kind of become old to us. But Jesus was the first one to do this. He was saying, if you look at all of the prophets and all of the law, you see this is the most essential thing to love God and to love neighbor. It's beautiful. It's the way that the Ten Commandments are broken down. The first four commandments are about loving God. The, the later six commandments are about loving your neighbor. And so it's so important for us to see that love is the most important action. Significantly, not other things. Not obedience. Not usefulness. I, I think maybe like many of you, spent much of my life believing that obedience was the most important thing to God. And I spent another significant portion of my life thinking that usefulness is the most important thing, that I could serve him, that I could be uh, his representative in the world, that I could evangelize, that I could serve the church. Now, of course, love, obedience, and usefulness are not mutually exclusive things. They're all related to what it means to be godly. They're all related together. Jesus says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. He also says to Peter at one point, do you love me, Peter? And Peter says yes, and he says, feed my sheep, serve the church. So usefulness and, and obedience are related to love, but you need to see this. One of those things is foundational, and the other are things that go out of that foundation. One of them is the orienting piece, and the others are the things that get built on top of it, and the thing that's orienting the most when it comes to our action in this world, is love for God and others. 
We see the scribe respond to Jesus that he's right, and he says, yes, I see that you're right. To love God with all your understanding, with all your strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. You see, he says, I see now. The burnt offerings and sacrifices, of course, those are important to God. He made those institutions in the Old Testament. But there's something more. There's something foundational beyond the obedience. And it is love. When was the last time, friends, you stopped and thought about this fact? The God of the universe who created everything who could have set up the world however he wanted to set it up, set it up so that the most important thing that you could do with your life is to love him. Couldn't he have set it up so that we were robots, that we were servants, so that we were useful to him? Or maybe if we were like in a Greek God's world just for his entertainment, that our love triangles and our killing of each other would entertain the God. That's not the universe that he created. The universe that he created is this. Out of the overflow of his self-giving love, Father, Son, and Spirit from eternity past spilled over into this world and created the world that has in its DNA love. It's the most important action. Second, you see the most important goal in the sentence that Jesus gives us, these are the objects. We had the verb, to love. The objects are this. What are we loving? What's the object of that sentence? God and neighbor. And so we see that the most important goal, the most important end, the most important object is to live a life unto God and for others. This is unto God. Verse 29 tells us exactly who this God is. It's not just a higher power. It's not just that we should live kind of looking heavenward a little bit. It's a very specific God. Verse 29. The most important is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. The Lord is one. That is a direct reference from Deuteronomy. It's the Shema. It's a prayer that was most popular in Israel. It's this prayer that they would pray over and over again. This is our God, the Lord, Yahweh. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The God of the story of the Scriptures. That is who is our object, our goal, our end. And then, of course, others. The neighbor. Importantly, the object of your life, we are returning to the most essential things, is not yourself. When is the last time you thought about that? It can be easy and it comes somewhat naturally for us to build our lives on ourselves. But what Jesus is saying here is if you want the furniture of your life to be built right, the orienting piece is this. It's not with yourself at the center. It's unto God and for others. We have the most important action, the most important goal. Then we see Jesus qualifies it. The most important intensity. This is the modifiers of the sentence. Where Jesus tells us exactly how and to what degree we should love God and others. And in both cases, he modifies it with quite a bit of intensity. Because for God, we're supposed to love him with everything. Heart, soul, 
mind, and strength. And I don't believe that those are uh, different parts of our bodies or parts of our psyche or anything like that, that we need to check off these four boxes. What I think he's saying here is that there's different ways that we can see the whole self. The heart is often a metaphor in Scripture for the whole self as it relates to the seat of emotions. The soul, the word there is psyche, that refers to us as living creatures, as living beings rather than inanimate objects. So in the sense that we are alive to this world, we are to love Him with everything. Mind, the way the Scriptures talk about this is that it's our reasonableness and our understanding as a metaphor for the whole self. And all of that should be given to God. And strength, our whole self as defined by moving creatures, energetic towards certain ends and efforts. In that sense, too, we are to give everything to God. The neighbor is also qualified. You should love the neighbor, not with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, but as yourself. In the same way that you nurture and take care of yourself and look out for your own interests, that's the way that you are supposed to intensely care for your neighbor. So we have the most important action, the most important object or end, the most important intensity, and then lastly this morning, the most important order. Because there are two commands here, and we have to be careful with how we say this, because these two commands are related together. To love God and to love neighbor are always related. First John tells us, you cannot love God and hate your brother. It doesn't work. And so these two commands can never be separated, but I'm telling you this morning that they should be distinguished. They can never be separated, but they should be distinguished because there is a first command and a second command. And the first and the greatest command is to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, and strength. And the second is to love your neighbor as yourself. And I say that this morning because we're in constant danger always of mixing the two up and putting one in front of the other. There's different ways that we can do this. There's kind of a secular version of this and a Christian version of of this. The secular version, like many people who do not follow God, at the end of the day, they start to begin to realize, hey, I've made my whole life about money or about pursuing my own pleasure. And then they turn and say, really, it's about people, isn't it? At the end of the day, life should be about others. It should be about my coworkers. It should be about my family. And so you've got this kind of Godfather vision where. It doesn't matter if you do immoral things, if you kill people, or if you, you know, launder money or whatever, but you're always going to protect your family because family is number one. And then there's kind of a Christian version of this where we say, really, the sum of Christianity is serving others. Of course, in one sense, that is the goal of Christianity. But in an important sense, it comes second because we see this Folks start serving the church and they serve others. And then when some of those service opportunities are removed, it's like maybe they don't want to be part of the church anymore. Maybe they don't want to be part of the people of God because maybe they've missed the first commandment that ultimately, number one, the most important thing is to be oriented vertically to a Father who made you and loves you. And so in summary, the most important things are doing the right action, which is love, toward the right goals, 
God and others. With the proper intensity, everything you have for God, neighbor as yourself, and in the right order, God then neighbor. So Jesus says this, drops this bomb. It's it's this amazing moment. And the scribe who hears him is blown away, and he agrees. He agrees. He parrots back Jesus' words. You, you're right, teacher. I see it now. I see your wisdom. You zoom out and you see all the scriptures are about this. And then Jesus says something very interesting to him. He says, you are not far from the kingdom of God. Now that's very interesting because it's kind of a double-edged sword, isn't it? You are not far from the kingdom of God. He's complimenting him. He's saying, you get it. You're, you're not like these Sadducees who are arguing with me about the one minor point of the legal code. You get it. You can zoom out and see what I'm saying. You're not far from the kingdom of God. But on the other hand, the other side of that sword is this. To be not far from the kingdom is, of course, to not be in the kingdom. What does he mean? I think that we're meant to see here a parallel to the rich young ruler. This is the young man that Jesus talked to just two chapters before in Mark's gospel. And this young man who's wealthy comes to Jesus and he asks him, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, you know the law, it's honor your father and mother, um, don't defraud anyone. And, and the man says, all of these things I've kept from my youth. And Jesus gives him the double-edged sword, doesn't he? Because the passage says he looks at him and loved him. He loves his striving. He sees this young man who's trying so hard. He loves him. And then he gives him the other side of the sword, which is this. Sell everything and give to the poor and come and follow me. And the man goes away sad. But right after that, the disciples ask the right question of Jesus. They say, as this young man who was way better than them walks away, they say, who then can be saved? And Jesus says, with man it's impossible, but with God all things are possible. What is he saying here? The disciples have it right to come to the place where you see the law of God as something that you can't do. And to be blown away by it and to need Jesus, that is the proper response. See, the, the, the scribe here, he's almost right by saying to Jesus, you're correct, I see it now. This is the law of God. The heart of God is, to, is for us to love Him with everything and to love our neighbor as ourselves. But the proper response from that still should be, who can do that? I can see now that the foundation of my life should be this. But I can't even get the foundation right. How can my life be built the right way if the important do this first step is something that I can't do? And so what the scribe needed and what we all need this morning is not just for Jesus to tell us what the law says is the most important thing. We need Him to keep that law for us. 
We need Him to go before us so that we can follow Him because He is the only one who fulfilled the law. He is the only one who loved God with all of His heart, soul, mind, and strength. And only one who loved His neighbor as Himself by going to the cross to die, which is what the love of God required. And it's what the neighbor, all of us, needed the most. And so, we see the Gospel is this. Only in Jesus Christ, only in Him, are we able to reflect the most important things. And if we don't have that first, if the Gospel is not our foundation, then the furniture of our life, whatever we build, is going to be oriented the wrong way. We're going to be seeking after approval and obedience and usefulness and all kinds of things. Unless we see Jesus as the first thing. But, if you are united to Christ, if you have followed Him, if you're trusting in Him to be your foundation, the orienting peace, then you are now free to joyfully make your life about the most important things as much as you possibly can. And so we return to the main point this morning, which is this. The crisis of now is the perfect opportunity to return to the most important things. Now is a great opportunity. There's a, a few days ago, we were, we've been practicing social distancing as a family. We've been inside. We needed to get out, so we went away where no one else was to be outside for a while. And we were getting in the car, and our kids are acting crazy. I have three boys. They were being really loud, and I'm trying to talk to Becca, and we're pulling out of the driveway, and there's lots of noises going on, and Dad's getting frustrated. I'm getting frustrated, and uh, I, I say, boys, be quiet. You know, Caden, be quiet. Rhodes, be quiet, and, um, and I'm, I'm adding to the noise, you know, and, uh, and then I hear this one singular voice go above the crowd of noises, and it's my youngest son, Leland, and I hear him say, this is important. This is important. And so we all stop and look at him. And we realize that his seatbelt isn't buckled properly. And we say, thank you. Thank you for telling us that that is important. When I was trying to silence him, he was trying to tell me something important. And there's a lot of noise out there. There's a lot of people saying, do this. Wash your hands. Listen to the CDC. President Trump saying this. Everyone's saying something right now. How many emails have you gotten? This is our response from COVID-19. Everybody is contributing to the noise right now. Everyone's stressed. Everyone's panicked. People are fearful. Maybe you're bored. There's all different kinds of emotions. It's clear that the world beneath our feet has shifted. And my prayer for us this morning is that when everything else is shifting, we could hear a voice coming over the crowd this morning to us and saying, this is important. This is the most important. And that voice may be a hidden gift to us this morning. Jesus' words to us may be a gift I'm fairly confident that your life has changed in the last few weeks. Some of you have more time. Some of you have less time. Some of you have more money. Very few, probably. Some of you have less money. A lot of us have less money. 
Things have shifted. But maybe in the shift, there is an opportunity for us to hear God's word to us. Maybe you've been building your life in the wrong way. Maybe it's oriented wrongly. But we can hear again Jesus' words and we have an opportunity this morning to say, these are the most important things. To have an affection towards God the Father, Son, and Spirit. And to have a love for your neighbor. Perhaps you're realizing that your life is built on a different foundation than that. And now, in this crisis, is the perfect opportunity to return to what Jesus says here. Maybe you have more time. Maybe you have more energy. Maybe you're talking to your neighbors more. And so I close us today with this question. What opportunities do you now have to go deeper into the things that Jesus says are most important? What opportunities do you now have to go deeper into the things that Jesus says are most important? An affection for the Father and a love for neighbor. Let's pray. Our Father, we need you to enable us to see that Jesus is the only way that we can fulfill this great, important, foundational thing. We need you to show us that we are insufficient for even the most basic life in you. We have not loved you with our whole heart, mind, and strength. We have not loved our neighbor as ourselves. We have mixed up the order of the commands and believed that you care more about serving than about love. We have done all of these things this morning. And so we come to you, not in our own merit, but clinging to Jesus Christ, the one who went before us and loved us and loved you perfectly. May he be glorified and lifted high in our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.
We're going to pray the Lord's Prayer together, and my fear is that our familiarity with this prayer would blind us to its danger. It really is a dangerous prayer, a revolutionary one, that, that we, as, a, as God's people, get a direct line to Him, the holy and awesome creator of the universe, that we would ask for mercy that we don't deserve, and that we would also forgive people who have done evil to us. That, that we would see the world shaken and God's kingdom and his will be done here on earth. And the world is shaken right now. So let's pray together with our brothers and sisters across the globe the way Jesus taught us to pray. To pray. Pray with me. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Rock of ages, cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. Let the water and the blood from thy wounded side which flowed be of sin, the double cure. Save from wrath and make me pure.
Friends, we're incredibly thankful that you joined us this morning. So if you're home, would you please stand up? We're going to go out with God's blessing like we do every week. Lift up your hands and receive this word from the Lord. May Christ dwell in our hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, that you may know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And God's people together said, Amen.